Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to BlockBytes Daily, or DeFi Tuesday, rather. It's me, Corval, here. And today I've got Charles in the studio and also special surprise guest, Keela. Today we're going to be talking retro. We're also going to be covering a couple of breaking news items across the field of DeFi. So stick around, folks. It's going to be a lot of great info and it's going to be a fun show. So thanks again for coming in. And Mikey or Emmett, get me off the screen, man. They take your money, then they take you down with them. Let's do better together. ERN, extremely resilient, naturally. Hello, guys. It's me, Corval here. Today's show would not be possible without our sponsor, Shimmer Network. Just as a reminder, Shimmer is a DAG-based, feeless, layer one network that's both fast and highly scalable. You can learn more about them at shimmer.network. Hello, hello, Kila. Looking sexy, buddy. Look how you. <laughs> Yo. Yo. Uh, also, wanted me to ask how many pasties you own. I know at least two. Oh no, I own a lot. I own a lot. I, I think I even have some urn pasties. No way. Yeah. Like custom printed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Charles, you don't know what pasties are. Okay. Know? All right. I'm sorry. Kila, can, you can you show them, Kila? I mean, I can show them where they go. Sure. Oh, no. BG14, man. I'll leave it for the next show. I'll, I'll leave it for the X-rated one. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, it's great to have you here, Kila. Um, Appreciate it, man. Also, I just back. found out what Earn stood for. Extremely oh, yeah. resilient. Yeah. Well, I, actually, it's, it stands for Ethos Reserve Note, but yeah. Also, <laughs> oh, that. shit. Then yeah. the video was completely lying. Well, yeah, no, well, they're trying to be cute. I love that. I love that advertising spot. It feels so professional, you know, and then you cut to my mm, voice. It does. It's like nine day. Sounds like you're on BBC. Well, your, voice, you go, yeah. your voice is professional. Your face, less so. Kilo, wow. That was almost a beautiful compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know it, dude. I know it. I got these sexy shades on because you know it was a late night. Late night. I'm sure you know about those. But you know, guys, oh. before we get too much into my Sorry. personal life here. Let's get in a little. I just looked up what pasties are. <laughs> Sorry, I've never heard yeah, that. I've never heard them that, called pasties man. before. I know what those are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there we go. All right, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, dude, I want some. I want some urn pasties. Damn, that's sick. You have to hiccup with right, Q. Yeah, Hell Tequila, it's been I a long time since on the show, dude. How you been? What you been up to? I'm I'm good, man. Yeah, since uh, since you guys fired me, I've uh, been busy. Fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once I got that notice from Austin, I was like, yeah, uh -oh. gotta gotta get busy again. Mm. And so that I have been. <laughs> so you've been busy since. That's good. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad we could like that fire in your heart. Uh, yeah, I needed it. Yeah, your latest latest project, right? Latest thing you've been working on. Uh, we were going to talk about today, right? Is uh, is retro? Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah. You were probably going to talk shit about it, so I thought I'd come on and make sure that uh, there was no fake news going on. <laughs> what kind of reputation do we have? Well, I mean, I guess we've been talking a lot of smack about Richard Hart, but you guys are two completely different characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, slightly. Mostly. Slightly mostly. different. Mostly different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're both human beings, and we're both men, I think. Uh, and you both are the innovators. Diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't own any diamonds, I think. So, Not yet. Not yet. But yeah, oh, let's get into it, dude. I do have diamond hands, though. Oh, that's what I like to hear. Nice one. That's what I like to hear. Um, but yeah, guys, let's get into it, man. We're getting all over the place here. Retro finance. Let's get a little background. Yeah. Charles, you got something? You got a little background we can give us? Or Akilah? Maybe we should kick it to you, dude. I mean, Charles, go for it if you have a background. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, I actually spoke with Kila yesterday on an oath, uh, Twitter space about retro. We had a nice discussion. And um, yeah, I, I personally really like what they're doing. Um, so it's a it's a solidly modeled DEX. There are a lot of them out there um, now, um, but Retro has a couple sort of novel approaches to the model, um, and they are interesting uh, at the very least. Um, so actually, Retro is the first. I hope I get this right, but I think they're, you're the first fork of Thena. Um, out there Correct. it's a friendly fork um also audited together by open zeppelin which is a major feather in your cap i think is open open zeppelin's like you know top sure. three auditing I firm mean, in DeFi. yeah well i know i yeah. think that's a yeah. that's a great little great little intro there yeah um it's a yeah fork. yeah go for it yeah so friendly fork of of Thena. I, I think maybe let's go I can go with like the backstory of, of solidly and all that kind of stuff if you want. But um, maybe the, maybe more interesting is the backstory about retro. Um, so there was a, there was a project called satin that launched on Polygon not too long ago, a couple months ago. Um, it didn't fare too, it didn't fare too well, mm. but the team at Polygon uh, as well as Tony, who was uh, running uh, Satin, they kind of hit me up once things weren't really going well with like their existing dev team and stuff along those lines, and asked if I would be interested in coming on and you know taking a look at the model, seeing how we can kind of restructure things and kind of uh, relaunch uh, relaunch Satin in kind of a different way. And so I said, sure, you know why not. Uh, Got in there, was really working with uh, with the team and also with the Polygon team to think about how we could restructure the model to be something a little bit, you know, more sustainable. So when I came in, one, we completely got different team. Um, we reached out to Thena, was discussing, you know, again, discussing with them, discussing with Velodrome, discussing with a bunch of the successful models, like what works, what doesn't work. Um, I have a very close relationship with the Athena group. And so we mm -hmm. kind of created this partnership where we do a friendly fork of them and um, also use their front end because they were, they're one of the best uh, solidly, solidly forks out there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of the beginning. And then we, again, just started doing a little bit more research and figuring out what is needed to make it sustainable. 
one of those things is you need to have feed generation. And we saw this with Thena, which was one of the first Salt Lake Forks that really started using concentrated liquidity. Without concentrated liquidity, you're very dependent on bribes. You're very dependent on external uh, external bribes to come in and you know provide real value for the voters, um, our real incentives for the voters to actually hold the token. And so that was one of the pieces. So we actually, when trying to figure out what we wanted to do in terms of the concentrated liquidity piece, when we went to when we went to Polygon, um, Athena they use uh, they use uh, algebra for concentrated liquidity. Mm-hmm. I reached out to algebra. They have a very strong relationship with uh, with QuickSwap. So when I asked them, hey, could we uh, could we use you guys for retro and Polygon? They're like. Ah, can't really do that because we're married to a quick swap on Polygon. I said, okay. We started to look around other options. This was again right around the time where Unity 3 had just, the license had ended. And so it was kind of a no brainer at that point. Just, all right, might as well use one of the most efficient, effective, and like battle tested uh, concentrated liquidity engines out there. And so we went with, we went with that. Um, then we reached out to Gamma as well because Thena was using Gamma and Thena's code base also has a lot. I mean, Gamma is very integrated within the code base. Yeah. And, and so we, again, asked them like, Hey, uh, we would love to use you guys for, um, for retro. And we got hit with the same, same responses, uh, as algebra. We'd love to, however, we do have to ask, you know, QuickSwap and we have a relationship with QuickSwap. You don't really want to rock that boat. QuickSwap is huge on Polygon. You guys are, you know, fresh coming in. Also, you had a terrible launch pre- like previously with Satin. Okay. <laughs> and so, tarnished reputation. None of the hottest girls want to dance with you is what I'm getting. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Pretty much. So I was like, fuck. I was like, fuck, okay. Let's uh, let's see what other let's see what other ones are out there. Um, you know, Arrakis is a big name, but they they don't do anything outside of Uni V three mm-hmm. or Uniswap. So um, was reaching out to a bunch. Talked to Ichi. Talked to DeFi Edge. Talked to Mellow. Uh, each one has their own like unique strategy, model, um, and way that they position and manage um, manage pairs. And so we got to thinking about like why should we just limit ourselves to one? And we decided, okay, what if we can create this little marketplace where we have a bunch of different ALMs for a specific pair? Um, When you have a bunch of different ALMs for that specific pair and you're incentivizing, like you're incentivizing actual fee generation, then you should see that these ALMs will start to compete with one another to make their positions and make their strategies more efficient and more efficient and more efficient. And so that was kind of like where we started to think about this uh, ALM marketplace and um, how it could create a more efficient and fee generating decks for the VE like retro holders. And uh, we have a bunch of other cool, unique twists and all that kind of stuff, but uh, I'll let you ask me those. Ask yeah, me questions man. About those, rather than wanna... just like, keep blabbing on for. I think it's been eleven minutes. No, uh, dude, we love to hear it because I think I gave <laughs> us a lot of good context here, and and to really 
sum it up here from my perspective, what I'm hearing here. So we have Satin. Satin, yeah. um, as, as Mr. Got Plenty says here, went down in flames like the Hindenburg. Um, but Polygon reached out to you, right? And said, we want to salvage the solidly style decks for Polygon, right? So they right. bring on the genius Keela. And Keela comes on and he says, what's wrong? What, what was wrong with Satin? Lots of things were wrong with Satin. But one of the big ones you're saying is fee generation, right? So I think that was a big that was a big issue with a lot of solidly forks mm -hmm. is just they weren't sustainable by themselves. You had to really rely heavily on other partners or you had to rely heavily on the chain to provide incentives for you like Velodrome, fantastic team, fantastic decks. They had a lot of help from OP incentives mm -hmm. and that could really help kickstart that flywheel. But if you don't have that, what do you have to kickstart that flywheel? You have to go out and really get. Uh, you have to go get, you know, external bribes from partners and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if they're not bribing for a week or if, you know, there's an extended period of time where they're not bribing, then you're really just relying on on those fees, right? Yeah. And if those fees, if you're using, say, Uni V2, which a lot of, like, Salty Forks are using Uni V2, it's not sustainable. And then when it's not sustainable, you get this, uh, you get this kind of death spiral. Yeah. So, um, so Solidly and solidly derived products uh, are very reliant on business development, uh, or like mm -hmm. business partnerships, right? And so if those ever fall through, if there's any kind of hiccup, you could you could just die like a fish, you yeah. know? Stop swimming, you die. So you need Correct. to have some kind of internal powering going on here in terms of fee generation. Yes. And that's where V3 steps in. And Charles was explaining to me, explaining this to me before the show, is this is one of the sexiest, coolest things about retro is this, and, and you touched on it too, the um, concentrated liquidity management marketplace type thing, right? Where I can pick between who I want to uh, manage my concentrated liquidity. Um, so Charles, I'm gonna hand it over to you because I know you got probably smarter questions than I do, but I just wanted to bring it up to speed for everybody here. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say like the solidly models kind of, it's like almost like a B2B product because it's so... I don't know. It's so when it's working and when it's doing really well, it's so good for the surrounding protocols. And like, it's so good for building up cheap liquidity as a protocol. And then, you know, if the partner protocols and the DEX is winning, then the users just like are winning by default. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, one of the things about retro that's like, I think the first of its kind um, is that, you know, they have a partnership with Stable Labs who developed um, the stablecoin Cash. And it's an interest-bearing stable. Um, and they have sort of a two-treasury system and they they get, get yield for, for cash holders. Um, a part of that yield that goes to, that, that doesn't go to cash holders, is goes to bribing cash pools on retro. Correct. Um, so like there's a couple different sources of revenue that um, you get this like auto bribing mechanism going on for all the pools that have cash in them, which is just like an automatic, it's like an automatic co-bribe for any protocol that uh, wants to, um, you know, build liquidity for, for a pool like the, the ERN cash pool. Um, like I think over the, over the last week, it got up like se several hundred dollars worth of cash was already bribed before, um, before the oath foundation had to like make any bribe. It's just like on top of 
of the bribes that are already going on. So right. yeah, Keo, right. I, I don't well, know if was... you want to talk about like the the ways in which cash gets bribed into those into those pools. Yeah, and that, that was that was one of the the things that was within satin that we really wanted to keep um, the cash auto bribes. Uh, I thought that was really, really brilliant in terms of helping make pools more sustainable and not really, um, not really relying too heavily on always getting the partners to bribe. Cause also we want to make sure that for partners that the liquidity that they're getting on retro is, is cheaper than on other places. And so basically what it is, is if you have a pair with cash, the amount of cash that is in that pair, the yield that it would be generating for, you know, just holding that cash is actually just going into bribing that pool. So the more cash that you have in the pool, then the more that 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 pool is generating in bribes, which more bribes means more votes for that pool, uh, more votes means more emissions. And so um, that was kind of one of the ways that we wanted to make sure that uh, one can can sustain itself and not rely too heavily on bribes. And I think Earn, like the Oath Foundation, did a fan-fucking-tastic job the first week, bribing heavy, getting a lot of votes uh, for that Earn cash pool. Uh, and now it's, I think, yeah, last I was just looking at it, in between fees and also just the auto bribes, it's getting almost a thousand, thousand bucks of just free like free bribes going towards that pool, um, which is, which is huge for a uh, huge for any protocol. I, I mean, if you, if you're talking to a protocol that is looking to get liquidity, it is expensive. So anything you can do to lessen that uh, is fantastic, especially if like the return on investment for bribes is, you know, say three, four X that $1,000 that is free bribes is turning into like, you know, $4,000 worth of incentives for them. So that's uh, even, even bigger. So mm-hmm. uh, that's not the only like mechanic of like auto bribes that the system has, but that's definitely one of the key ones that we moved or that we kept from satin onto retro. Okay. Yeah. I um I actually had a question. So about the, Fee generation. How is it looking so yeah. far? I, I guess generally, just how is the the launch looking? Are you getting the kind of fee generation from these uh, Uniswap B three pools that you were expecting that you're looking for? Um, yeah, actually, are you getting actually, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm very uh, very happy with it. We we wanted to make sure that we were growing in a at a good and steady space. Uh, like right now, I think we're at maybe six point five million in TVL, which is which is great for I think about five days. Um, five days that we've actually been been live our incentives have been live um, and in terms of volume I think today we were at maybe about two mil in volume mm-hmm. which is quite solid especially when you consider not all the not all the aggregators have actually integrated us yet we've talked we're talking with with uh, Kyber which we should have that done on Thursday um, possibly one inch tomorrow. Um, then we've got, yeah, Firebird and, and Paraswap also coming very soon. And so kind of once those kick in, then we should start seeing even more volume kind of coming through. Um, and we are focusing very heavy on, you know, high, high volume pairs. We didn't want, especially at the beginning when 
incentives are so valuable and making sure that like making sure that the decks is sustainable. We didn't want to have too many like just random or um, or pairs that don't generate a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. So we were really we were really careful in which ones we really wanted to create gauges for, which partners we wanted to have gauges for. And we really wanted to focus on blue chip pairs, stable coin pairs, and then also like LSDs. That was our main focus. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, what I'm getting is you guys are taking a more slow and steady approach, a lot more risk off approach generally into how you're building this than maybe people were seeing with Satin, which seemed to be pretty quick. Um, I'm seeing in the chat here, Charles and Mr. Complain are going well, back and forth. I mean, well, um, uh, go ahead, Keila. You had something. Yeah, I was going to say that one thing about about Satin. I don't think it was. I don't think it was built like. Are they tried to just rush things? Uh, out the door i think like for a lot of the a lot of the team they really i'm so sorry about that i've got a uh, uh i get i have a goat i have a goat in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think they were trying to rush things there's just i think that the there was a lot of innovations that were trying to be pushed in uh into a model and i think that the dev team was not ready for that level of uh, wow. of innovation or kind of like building on top, um, and so you know, it just it just didn't work. And so I, I wouldn't say it was like rushed because I know I know the rest of the team. Uh, some a, a good portion of the team at Retro is still uh, from Satin. So um, yeah, I wouldn't say it was rushed. It just some of the innovations were maybe a little over the skill set of the previous uh, dev team which again why restructured got new team mm-hmm. um and yeah now we're really very happy with what we've built of course there's you know we pushed it out there's some ui ui confusion because we are building something that is new like the alm marketplace so you know people coming in they don't know like what am i supposed to choose i see gamma i see ichi i, I see mm-hmm. manual but we're we're tweaking it up and making it um, at least as UI friendly as we really can right now. I see, I see. Cleaning up the UI, making it a little bit more accessible because the, mm-hmm. the concentrated liquidity—it's such a mouthful. The liquidity manager picking is kind of difficult. Uh, Uni V three is just kind of made. It, it's just difficult for the average person to pick up. Difficult for <sighs> me to pick so up, hard. and then having the option to choose who your manager is going to be is a, a welcome simplification, but still maybe a little bit more than the average person is expecting when they're trying to just yeah. get passive. Well, we're, correct. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to display more information on there as well. So we'll display like individual APRs for each like ALM also mm-hmm. data from each ALM, like how much TVL is in, in those, you know, specific, uh, specific partners. We're going to be adding more ALMs as well to the, like to the marketplace mm-hmm. we started off with two but just because it's on our front end those two are on our front end doesn't mean that other alms can't integrate with us and also be earning um incentives from us as well so um it'll mm-hmm. it'll get more robust and you'll have more options on our front end mm-hmm. but yeah i mean so far it's so far it's been very uh i've been very happy with it let's say that nice man nice mm-hmm. i want to well, jump I'm happy in. that you're happy 
Now, <laughs> I hope the, the users are happy as well. You, you were mentioning the incentive distribution being extremely important, extremely valuable upfront early on. So how are you guys handling incentive distribution? This is a leading question. I think the word Merkle <laughs> might appear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, Merkle is one of the key elements of how we are distributing uh, incentives. So but maybe let me just take a step and a step back and say, uh, the team doesn't determine where emissions go. That's VE retro holders determine where emissions go. So if you're a VE retro holder, you vote on the pools that you want to see emissions go towards. Um, and the reason why you would vote on a specific pool over another one is either uh, to get the bribes from that pool or because that pool is generating high fees. And so this is one of the unique elements of the solidly model from the get-go is you're getting these these um, these VE token holders to vote in the best interest of the decks because if they're voting for the pools that generate the most fees, that's great for the decks. If they're voting for pools that are getting bribes, also it's good because you're you're bringing in other partners and all that kind of good stuff. So um, that's that's very nice. Um, so that's how you determine where the fees are going. Now, because we have a bunch of different options in terms of how you can create your pair, whether you're using an, you know, one ALM, a different ALM, or even a manual position, it was going to be difficult to figure out, okay, how are we pushing those incentives out in a proper way? Because we wanted to make sure that the only, or like emissions were determined by how much or how much fees your positions are actually generating. And so when we talked to the team at Angle, again, about partnerships and everything along those lines, they mentioned that they have this product called Merkle, which Merkle is basically just a very customizable way of distributing incentives. I don't know why more people aren't using it. It's fucking fantastic. Um, But you can just set up how you want incentives to go and what they will be doing is they'll be doing the calculations of, you know, how much each pair or each position is earning in terms of fees. And then based off of that, they are distributing the rewards um, to the users to be able to claim. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing that maybe users are not super familiar with is that with Merkle, the, um, the claim is every three hours rather than just instant. As soon as you deposit, you get you know, you get rewards. Uh, it's mm-hmm. every three hours, but that was maybe a little bit of a confusion at the beginning. I think now people are kind of getting used to it and I think they're fine with it because nobody's sitting there and, and clicking claim button all day long, unless you're, a, unless you're basically an auto compounder, yeah. but even auto compounders is fine. You just click whenever it's available. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how, that's how the incentives are done. And we just felt that pushing out incentives based off of how much fees your position is generating was the best way to do it because there's way too many times where, you know, DEXs or protocols are incentivizing unproductive positions or unproductive Mm -hmm. liquidity. And if you're, if you're doing that, you're wasting incentives. So uh, yeah, this way, and because we have the partnership with Merkle, it became very, very easy for us. And, um, I'm not sure if there was a question in there about what the incentives are in. The incentives are actually in O-Retro, which is um, 
nice like, call option that like oh tokenomics that are involved which yeah that was going to be uh the follow-up uh because we wanted to talk about those o tokens but yeah i just wanted to clarify so so angle just kind of allows you guys to kind of direct incentives to a more specific behavior pattern right use along yes. using these correct uh, concentrated liquidity models. I came across this concept uh, a while back when I was looking into Tangle Swap um, on Shimmer, which is not yet launched. Um, but I think it's been around for a while. So I am kind of surprised, Kila, that not a lot of people have implemented this, or maybe they have. And I just didn't know. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer um, from the project's perspective. But yeah. Anyway, besides all that, let's go back to the O tokens. This is something that's been coming up a lot yeah. recently. We talked about it last week, actually. Um, O tokens, option tokens. Uh, so it's just a reward token, right? That is in the form of a call option that you can, it's like a European option, right? You exercise it at expiry. Um, are there any particular quirks to retro, uh, retro O tokens? Yeah, so it's it's more along the lines of, or more similar to say Bunny, if you're familiar with uh, Timeless and, and Bunny, the way that they do O tokens. So mm -hmm. uh, yes, it is a call option, but it is a perpetual call option. So there's not actually a strike price. There's just oh. a discount, uh, a discount um, that you can that it gives you the option to buy retro at that discount. Um, oh, so is it so, just like a percentage discount flat, or correct. is it at a Okay, so there's Correct. literally no price attached to it at all. It's just like here's a thirty percent coupon or whatever for retro. Yep. Okay, basically, basically, and so we like right now we have the discount set at seventy percent. So for example, if you are farming and you earn a hundred dollars worth of of O retro, you pay thirty bucks and then you get your hundred dollars worth of retro that you can do whatever mm -hmm. you want with. You can immediately sell it. You can yeah, we also have like a, uh, we have a perp exchange as well called Arcade. If you want to use it as collateral for that, you can use it for collateral for that. Um, but yeah, that's basically the the high level element of of how we are doing the the O retro. Uh, but yeah, so if you're if you're LPing, you earn O retro. Once you've earned that O retro, you have two options. One option is go ahead and lock it, and you lock that without any fee. So we're not charging you or anything along those lines to lock it second option if you do want to execute that uh, uh that call option you do pay a fee but that fee goes straight back into bribing core pools within retro and so what we were really trying to do with this is the people who are trying to extract value from the protocol by just you know farm and dumping sure you can come and do that but to do that you're going to have to pay like a, a small fee to do that, that goes back to the people who are actually providing most value to uh, like to the ecosystem through locking and voting and all that kind of stuff. So that value extraction, we're extracting value from value extractors and pushing it to VE token holders um, through um, putting those towards, or putting that money that's generated to the top performing pools. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, it puts a little yeah. step in the way. Okay. I want to take a little bit of a step back and try and look at it all together in one big bundle because Mr. Bot got plenty was asking some good questions about, you know, like how is it different? You know, a lot of solidly model things on Polygon haven't worked before. 
um, Sadden mm-hmm. didn't do very well. You know what, what what's mm-hmm. going on and all this stuff. So I just want to like spell out sort of like the goal of a dex is to optimize your capital efficiency, make use of all of like the liquidity that's in the decks um, and to incentivize the right behavior or incentivize behavior that's going to, you know, grow the protocol um, moving forward. So I think retro has like a bunch of like the capital efficiency, um, implementing UniV3 with a bunch of different ALMs um, along with Merkle, where you're like incentivizing liquidity at ranges where there's going to be a lot of trading um, and, you know, optimize or uh, incentivizing the right behavior in terms of like the O retro system. A lot of things, a lot of times what happens with the Saldi models is that people farm them and then they just dump them immediately because that's, I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's kind of the play for us all. Like if something's going to yeah. launch, there's a bunch of people, mm-hmm. they want to maximize their dollars. They don't want to take extra risk and they just farm and dump. Um, and you're basically, you are charging the farm and dumpers a premium. It's like, you can farm and dump this, but you're going to pay us a premium. And the premium is going to back to the voters of the protocol who are like, you know, the ones who are driving the, Correct. the whole flywheel forward. So I don't know. I just think there's a bunch of different elements that are coming together um, to optimize like good behavior. And um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of pieces by themselves are really cool. And um, yeah, putting putting them together, I think, um, makes for a nice, makes for a really good product. So I don't know. We'll see yeah. Polygon. We'll see what happens with Polygon DeFi. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you can get some get some traction there, I just you have a lot a lot of cool mechanisms that are working together. Yeah, um, in well, the right I, direction. I think, you know, I think so as as well. I mean, we we took a lot like a lot of time to. Uh, to model things out and you know test things test things out and see what do we think would work. Uh, the entire team has has been fantastic with that, and so it's it's nice to see so far, like with launch, that all of these mechanisms are proving to at least be somewhat valuable to the model in itself. And we've been talking to like Ramses and Thena and and many other uh, many other of the VE three three dexes that. Have been looking, have, and they've been. They've told us, like, look, we will look at what you guys are doing with your launch, and if it's going successful, and you know, try and take some of the pieces that you guys have implemented and implement it within their decks. Um, so that's been very nice to see. It's uh, it's proving pretty good so far. Um, you know, it's still still very early days, but um, yeah, I, I like the I like where this is going like there may be there may be some tweaks that we'll have to do here and there we we made the o retro um stuff to where if it if it's not working out we can we can completely take it off we'll have to figure out at what kind of discount rate maybe makes the most sense if we're noticing a bunch of people are, are dumping sure maybe we maybe we increase the o the or do we decrease the discount rate for o retro and make people pay like a higher premium for it um the nice thing that we do though is on the APR that you see on the site. That's the APR you're getting, um, kind of in O retro. So, like if you were to call the option, that would be the APR that you're getting. So we're not showing you like the the APR if you're locking max term. It's the one if you'd be executing. So if you're actually plan is to lock full like full term, then you're getting actually a higher APR. 
and what shows on the site. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, it's it's nicer that you're showing like what you'd get from immediately dumping the the APR wise. Uh, John Steps brings up a point here. The O retro is basically a tax on your gains, though. Um, so it's factored in already when you're putting in mm-hmm. to the the pool, right? Um, yeah, it's already factored in. Yeah, I do want to also um, address Yoler Coaster's uh, comment, which is totally true. You need to incentivize trading, like volume. You want a lot of volume. Um, that's going to, uh, you know, be a lot of the protocol revenue and you know holder revenue obviously um but the, the the capital efficiency is what is what drives um deep or deep liquidity is what drives trading because if you have all this liquidity concentrated around the right prices it it's the, it's a similar effect of having a huge pool it's a very deep right there um and so another thing is that you guys are integrating dex aggregators soon um but yeah. that, but that hasn't happened yet and i think that's like a huge step um, cause if aggregators consistently find your pools to be the best routes, um, that's like so much of volume. Um, cause I know, you know, anybody who's like been around for a while in D5, like solely uses aggregators, aggregators. Or, you know, most of yeah. the time. Well, um, also yeah. like protocols, protocols will use aggregators. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, you know, if, uh, if beefy with their zap and everything along those lines, they will use an aggregator. I think they use one inch. And so if you're not. If you're not integrated with one inch, if Beefy is doing their zap, it's not going through like through your pools. And so, yeah, I think as soon as we click that on, we'll start to get a lot of volume. We we know that by implementing these O tokens, we may get slightly less TVL, but that's also why we can adjust the discount rate if we need to, if we need to bump up our TVL for the amount of emissions that we're pushing out, we can increase the discount. Um, but with, like you said, the ALM efficiency, I think we can get there. I think we can get very deep liquidity, um, without having, without having to kind of, uh, um, have as much TVL as some other DEXs. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, another good point from Yoler Coaster, um, I would say that's what the O token and sort of auto bribing um, is there to to support. You know, um, that's why you want to disincentivize people to just farm and dump. Um, mm-hmm. And even if they are going to do that, they're going to be paying. Um, they're going to be paying their their premium back to the protocol. Um, Correct. So, anyways, yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. it's very important. The token price is very important for a V like VE three three style decks. If the po- if the token price just completely goes to the shitter, well then now your emissions aren't worth as much. Now you know people aren't or the TVL goes down because the yields go down. Uh, protocols like Earn and everything like that stop you know stop bribing on it. So then there's less incentive to actually hold the token. And so we really need to make sure that we're focusing heavy also on the price of the token to make sure that the yields still are very. Uh, you know, competitive. Hell yeah. It's a delicate balancing act, isn't it? Keela, I wanted to ask, um, you know, I kind of want to start moving towards like kind of a wrap-ups part of this here. Uh, if you got any extra question, any other questions, Charles, feel free. 
But uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think some of the what do you think is the single greatest challenge uh, towards retro for retro success going forward here in like say the next three to six months? Um, it challenges for retro success. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, the, with with new bits and pieces to to any model, you know, you you run the risk of you're on the risk of things kind of not going as planned right now at the, at the small scale, I think things are going very well. Um, also the fact that we are continuously talking with uh, like FINA and all that kind of stuff, sharing innovations and sharing what they're doing, what we're doing with one another to see what's going to make the best decks. We're at least always looking forward and making sure that we, we don't just sit on our, sit on our hands and, be like yay yay for us we we've got mm-hmm. we've got a nice launch so far we're always looking towards the future um and uh i'll i'll throw in some like, i don't know if it's alpha anymore but uh we do also have a sister protocol that will be launching on zk evm fairly soon like within probably 30 to 45 days mm-hmm. um but i think the hurdles to our success would be education because um, right now what we've what we've been seeing is people who people who get it they love it people who've been in DeFi for a long time they understand what we're doing and they can kind of maneuver through the website quite easily i think for for newbies it might be a little it might be still a little confusing because also you know sometimes the the apr that you see and we're, we're trying to make aprs a little bit more uh, clear the APR that you see. Um, if you have out of range, if you have out of range position, you're actually not earning any yield, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you know, on the website, maybe you see, okay, I'm I'm earning 25% yield, right? But no, because you're out of range, and so you may have people who are a little confused about this, might not understand ranges and all that kind of good stuff, which is why having more and more ALMs should do us well. Um, but I think, yeah, education is, is key piece. Um, I think we've turned a really good chapter from, you know, the, the past and having, um, having sat and not do so hot. I think we've turned a good chapter and, you know, made all of the, all of the satin holders at least happy with the migration that we've had. And also with, with zero coming out on ZKEVM and, um, holders of VE retro will get an airdrop of that. I think they'll even be even happier. So yeah, I I don't see too much, like too much of the community being soured by the previous uh, satin time. I know the team, like especially Tony was fighting tooth and nail to make sure that this thing worked and make sure that everybody was happy with, um, you know, with the migration, anybody that was hurt within Satin at least got, you know, something back. So. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a difficult thing uh, to, to come back. I think there is still some sourness in the community, but I think you guys are trying. I mean, I see the effort and I am sure a lot of people appreciate it as well to try and make things whole. Um as much as you possibly can, right? Like you're, you're never gonna make it. You're never gonna make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, 
but you know the thing is, is at the end of the day at the end of the day you do what you do what you can and i know for a fact i see it every day that the the team is really pushing to make make this a success and uh, make sure that the people who were within the satin community if they've got a piece of retro we're trying to make it again as successful as possible to where they win as well nice yeah well i mean as someone who also got burned on satin i guess i'm in <laughs> like i can't really i can't really can't really count on i can't really prey on the downfall but um yeah man <laughs> Any other any final thoughts on this? Because we have some other stuff we want to cover. Uh, but you know, if you want to stick around, Keila, we could we could talk about some news, dude. We got some news stories, dude. If you want to, sure. I think I've got. I think I've got maybe about like fifteen minutes. If, uh... Perfect. It's about what we're shooting for. Anything else on retro, folks? Before we close it off, the story of retro continues to unfold. <laughs> I think we covered quite a bit. All right, cool, cool. That's good. All right, so shifting gears here a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean quite a bit. Uh, we're kind of pulling back from case study to a macro study here. Uh, Charles, the ARC ETF, man, tell me about it. Mm. Yeah, so we can kind of rip through these these topics mm -hmm. a bit. I don't have like a ton, a ton to say, um, but I just wanted to um, talk about the ETFs a little bit um, because... The SEC has um, has a ruling to make uh, this week. I think it's on Sunday, which mm -hmm. um, is a really weird day to have a ruling. But anyways. Uh, it's not Christian, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, ARC uh, is the first um, sort of in, in the queue to get their ruling. And that means that <clears throat> the SEC's final decision will also be first. Now, the SEC can push this until January, which I'm expecting mm -hmm. them to do. Um, but they will be the first the first in line to either say, okay, yes or no, which will just provide more clarity for the other the other um, filings. Now, so we're looking like to date, I think there's... Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, so what we're looking at is like a domino type scenario possibly unfolding here. If, if it gets yeah, passed, I mean, we're going to see a lot pass. But if it doesn't... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think to date, there's been like 30, over 30 um, Bitcoin spot market product filings. Um, and all of them have been rejected. And the main reason reason is because the SEC doesn't, there isn't a market, a Bitcoin market that is regulated by the SEC or even the CFTC now. Um, spot market. They, there's, you know, there's a futures um, ETF, but uh, anyways. Um, so like the SEC has been kind of just like denying all of these filings um, for the past couple of years. And what's annoying is that they don't really say, okay, here's what you need to do to get one through or like, here's what needs to happen. They just are like, okay, nope, it's not going to work. And then they just, <laughs> and then all, yeah. all the like different, you know, all these different um, organizations and corporations have to figure out, okay, how can we sort of reward this? What else do we need to add? Um, and so a bi big thing is the um, crap. What's it called? Um, surveillance, surveillance sharing. Surveillance, yeah, there we go. The surveillance sharing agreement. 
uh, with the CBOE, which is the Chicago Board of Options Exchange or something like that. Uh, Yeah. They essentially want to have insight into the markets. This is something that was introduced, not introduced, but BlackRock included this in their ETF application. It seems to have been springing up in all the ETF applications now. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So ARC sort of refiled theirs with this in it. Um, mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it's basically the SEC wants to make sure that there's no market manipulation going on. Um, so a bunch of trading activity and clearing activity and stuff would be shared via the the surveillance agreement thing. Um, so, anyways, I'll, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna have a lookout for on Sunday or maybe it's Monday um, for mm-hmm. what their ruling is. I'm expecting them to just delay it, um, but I don't know, man. I think we're I think we're on the home stretch for a Bitcoin spot ETF. Like I think. Next nice. six months, we're going to have, we, we're probably going to have a bunch of them. That's my yeah. theory. Um, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It seems like they're springing up like freaking weeds, dude. And uh, the surveillance sharing agreement, um, it seems like the intention of this kind of market surveillance is to just ensure there's not like wash trading market manipulation. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll, we got it. We kind of got to bite the bullet on it <laughs> if we want to get a Bitcoin yeah. ETF passed. Um, yeah, looking kind of good, fellas. Looking kind of good. Uh, Keela, how do you feel about the spot Bitcoin ETF? Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel good about it. If it, uh, I know it will pass eventually, and once it does pass, hopefully, a lot of that money will kind of trickle down into uh, into DeFi, which I think will happen. I mean, look, it's been it's been funny to see this entire like this entire cycle of you know sec and all of these uh all of these you know people like you know ceo of uh blackrock and all that kind of stuff shitting on btc and then um you know all of a sudden kind of change change their mood yeah um, i think it's 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 beautifully uh beautifully placed you shit on something you knock the price down and then once price is knocked down yeah you kind of come and scoop in and be like yeah you know it's not that bad at the end yeah yeah a class and then larry fink comes out and says secure tokenization is the future you're like yeah okay yeah (laughs) yeah we know exactly (laughs) um I saw like an article that was saying like various forms of market manipulation. They call it like poop scooping, I think is what they call it, where mm, they, mm. they throw mud on something to make the price go down and then they yep. buy it low, even though it's a good product. Hopefully that's what's happening here. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like, on I feel like in, a, in some kind of element, that's definitely what's happening. Poop scooping. Like oh it. yeah, they're definitely mm. poop scooping here. But um, moving on, we want to cover base mainnet launch here a little bit. Launching on Wednesday. Let's uh, yeah. I mean, we can just mention that. But I want to get to I want to get to Maker and Frax and kind of see if okay. we can run through them because I do want to talk about these. But yeah, everybody, base mainnet is launching tomorrow. <laughs> Side note: <laughs> hundred ETH grants, um, hundred ETH grants available for grabs. It's true. Uh, yeah. Aerodrome snapshot has not been taken. So yeah, if you want Velo. some VE arrow, you should lock VE Velo, um, oh, and you'll yeah. get you'll get some VE arrow. Um, that was your base ten chain. seconds of airdrop hunting. <laughs> and now we move um, on to MakerDAO. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about MakerDAO's DSR uh, change because I don't know I I saw a lot of chatter about this, um, 
and it's interesting to me. So mm-hmm. MakerDAO, um, as everybody probably knows, they have this thing called the DSR, which is the die savings rate. And you can go to um, basically the Maker front end, which is something called Spark Protocol. And you can deposit your die and you get, um, you know, you get a, a interest rate on, on your die. Um, mm-hmm. Historically, like before this proposal was just passed, it was at three, 3.2%, somewhere around there. Um, but recently, Maker passed a proposal to implement something called the Enhanced DSR, which is basically a boost on that die savings rate um, over a period of time that decreases with the increase in utilization of the DSR. So basically, this is what I read the proposal. I read a bunch of comments um, from the maker community and maker team. And this was kind of their, their thinking. So over the past year, they have pulled in millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Um, much of that has come from real, real world assets. So they have a uh, RWA treasury, which is a lot of US treasuries. It's um, they have an account at Coinbase. They have some like, you know, yield bearing cash equivalents from the US government. Um, and their, 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 their treasury of, of RWAs is like, almost two and a half billion dollars. Um, and they've just been raking it in and like the spread between what they've been paying out to um, people in the DSR and what they've been earning on the back end has been huge. And this year they're like way, way in profit. And so they have this like war chest of just like cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of just resting on on that big, you know, pile of money and trying to just increase their profitability and just sort of keep going. They've been seeing a downtrend in die demand and they want to boost that demand and try and get some momentum back for die. So um, what this EDSR is, I'm going to share, let's see if I can share my. Yeah, you got it. I can't here. show this because I'm an American, but basically what I'm getting here is, <laughs> Uh, Dai has been losing uh, market share essentially to other stable coins. Uh, yeah. It never was that big. I mean, it's huge, but compared to say Tether, it's you know not that big. Uh, but it's it's shrinking, and so they've got this big war chest of profit they've been sitting on. And in classic DeFi fashion, they're going to try and incentivize people to get more Dai out there. Am I getting that right? Exactly. Yeah. And they're, they're basically saying they're willing, cause I saw a bunch of, it's like, dude, 8% on die. What the hell are they doing? It's Luna or whatever. Um, but ba- mm-hmm. they're saying basically we are willing to spend money. We're willing to push this, this huge basket of cash onto people who want to mint die and deposit die, um, into the DSR. We want a bunch of die demand to come in um, you know, in, in anticipation of this big DAO revamp that they're doing called the end game. But, um, we could, we could talk about that later. Um, Mm -hmm. so, okay. What I've shared, I don't know if it's up on the screen. What's up. There There we go. Okay. So this is the, this is how the rate works with the utilization. Um, so if you look at this, it's 8%. 
um, until you get to 20% utilization. And 20% utilization is 920 million dye in the DSR. Um, mm -hmm. It slowly decreases as more and more dye goes into the, the DSR. And you can see the amounts corresponding to the utilization here. Mm -hmm. um, it's a one-way street. So if utilization goes up and then goes back down, it's not going to go back to 8%. Like once one of these thresholds is hit, it will stay there until the next one's hit. And it, it only goes one way. Um, it's also something that can be turned off. So like this is, um, you know, this is a, an experiment in sort of like elasticity and like traction that they, they're hoping that will work. Um, mm. But if we go to the... Do, do, do. Okay, can you see that? If we go to the, the Spark protocol, this is the DSR. Um, 850 million die in there already. And wow. once, if you get another 100 million die, it, this will go down to 5 point whatever percent. So that's just under um, a quarter of the total circulating supply of die? Or when it enters here, it's out of the circulating supply? I'm done. No, no, this is, this is, this is in, it's in circulation. Um, okay. But as you get more die into the DSR, it's being taken off the external market, which mm -hmm. is going to drive up um, yield on external markets. And then eventually more die will get minted to, you know, mm -hmm. um, to counteract the reducing supply on external markets. You know what I mean? It's kind of like they're yeah. sucking in die into this DSR um, it, with the end goal of just a bunch more die getting minted and you know, their goal is to get to 100 billion die in three years, which is like insane. Um, but they're, they're basically they're, they're going all out for to drive demand um, right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. OK. OK. So die is trying to drive up demand so that they can move into their final stage of their top secret master plan, world takeover plan uh, yeah. involving real world assets. But we'll leave mm -hmm. that for another day because we have something we, we're running out of time here, but we have something that Charles is super excited to talk about. Um, well, this is just uh it'll be short. It'll be short. It yeah. um it ties into the into the real world asset mm -hmm. um discussion about the MakerDAO treasury. Um but Frax, mm -hmm. um Sam Friesman of Frax. Uh, put out a sneaky proposal this week about their integration with in into real world world assets and how they're going to be managing that. Um, so let's see. I'm going to share another. I got John Steps in my in my mind. The Frax Bull. Uh, <laughs> and John Steps I'm sure might he knows have been a right. bunch about this. Might have been your what? He might have been right. He might have been right, dude. It's starting to sound like it every day. Yeah. Um, okay, so MakerDAO uh, is partnered with three different sort of corporations that help mm -hmm. them to buy treasuries and keep them, uh, you know, keep them in their treasury, and you know, and they help yeah. them buy 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 cash equivalents, yield bearing cash equivalents in the U.S. Um, Maker pays fees to those corporations. And I think I can, let's see, I have the names of them. It's not going to make a difference, but Block Tower, Block Celadon Tower. Financial Group, Wedbush Securities, um, mm. they broker and custody makers, uh, makers, um, 
cash cash equivalent things, um, real world assets. So this proposal by Frax is Sam Kaysman comes out and says, hey guys, look, we made uh, a company, we built a corporation and um, it's a nonprofit and it's going to help us um, manage our RWA asset strategy. Um, so the, the, this, it's a C corp, it's called FINRA's PBC. And mm-hmm. it's sole purpose is to help fracks reach their goal of getting, getting RWAs. Um, okay. and the difference between this and, and MakerDAO's, um, setup and why I think, I don't know, it's just another reason why fracks, they're just like such chads is cause the overhead costs, um, that Frax is going to pay is like nothing. Um, and I have a quote from from Sam Kaysman here. I got it here. I'll nice. throw it up for you. Let's go. For overhead costs, I don't think it should be very high. Case closed. <laughs> that is that is Opening case closed. Case. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be paying, I think he quoted somewhere between 100 and 200 grand mm-hmm. in operational costs per year for a treasury of like 500 million in treasuries, US treasuries. Um, and that Insane. the yield that you get from 500 million, uh, you can cover a hundred grand in like two days. So they're just going to be raking in all of the yield from, from, you know, cash equivalents, their RWAs and not paying out any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, I don't know. It's just another huge Chad move by Frax to like build their own C Corp, um, and have it be a nonprofit and like, they can probably take on other partners in DeFi who want to like get in on get in on real world assets, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, and we could talk about Frax V three on some later episode as well. Um, oh yeah, we didn't really have tea. time to we'll go taste. into it today, but we'll taste. Yeah, it. I mean, John Steps, when are you coming on the when are you coming on the show, man? Dude, I was in his. When are you coming on to show Frax? I got to message him again. Yeah, Dude, we got. We'll go. do when we do the Frax episode. We got to get John Steps on here. But yeah, I, um, just to summarize this whole event here, so Frax, geniuses that they are, to maximize their profit, to minimize costs, they've set up a C-Corp that's a nonprofit to manage their real-world assets, as opposed to other industry competitors that do the same, uh, not setting up their own C-Corp, but hold real-world assets, they have to pay holding companies to or other companies to buy and hold the assets for them. Yeah. So Frax, yeah, well cheeky little guys started their own way uh, to cut costs. Brilliant. Dude. And really sets Man. them up for scaling in a nice way, I would say. Yeah. And just, yeah, more revenue. Man, they're just like, every month it just seems like, like they're like, okay, now we're doing like, I don't know. They're just building out on every like vertical. It's crazy. Um, oh, Yeah. They're taking yeah. over, dude. Frax, we were talking about Ma- MakerDAO's master plan earlier, but Frax master plan might be even more diabolical, dude. No one even knows what it is. Dude. <laughs> Maybe John Steps does, though. But all right, it's man. Even more. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Since we're at the hour mark here, I feel like I'm rushing it, but I feel like we got to close it off here. Um, yeah. I think it was a good one, though. It was great to have Keela. We had him on short notice, but I think we got a lot of good info out of him. Uh, hmm. A lot of good information on retro. So I want to thank Keela. I mean, he's not here now, but I want to thank Keela for coming on. Uh, Charles, I want to thank you again for coming on. Another excellent DeFi Tuesday, putting this whole thing together. 
Um, and I want to thank everyone listening or watching in the chat or on Spotify, wherever you are. I want to thank you again, as always, for tuning into this BlockBytes broadcast. Um, but yeah, I'm going to sign off now, guys. Okay, ready? Um, one, two, wait, wait, oh. can I? Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to jump in and say, guys, if you have things that you want us to cover, um, just hit us up on Twitter, hit the BlockBytes Twitter or the Discord or something. Oh, yeah. um always welcome it makes our lives easier and yeah always welcome like suggestions protocols that you want they have to be like relatively established but um or at least launched um but yeah hit us up oh yeah like and subscribe and leave that in a comment below too you could just leave us a comment if you're too shy to message us directly uh oh, didn't God. the guy from die turn up dead on a beach yeah. oh we're not going to talk about Dude, that yeah holy shit i forgot <laughs> about that oh my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, adios, everybody. It's been me, Corval, Charles, for another DeFi Tuesday. And I hope you all have a great day. Goodbye. Peace.